Welcome to the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations Interviews Podcast, a series of brief conversations with leading China experts on key issues in the Sino-American relationship. For more interviews, videos, and links to events, visit us at www.ncuscr.org. Good afternoon. This is Steve Orleans, President of the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations, and I've got a very special guest today. Uh, Gary Liu, who is the CEO of the South China Morning Post, the SCMP, the oldest English language publication in Hong Kong, now 110 plus years? 110 plus, uh, nearly 115. 115 years. You grew up in the United States. Yes. You had a great career in the United States, um, working in kind of interesting social media, and then you decided to take this job at SCMP. Tell us a little personally, what made you do it? There are both practical and personal reasons. The practical ones, uh, well, the practical one is that it's, it's an incredibly unique opportunity. It's one of the few major newspapers in the world that has the opportunity to actually invest in a new form of journalism. The reality is that we have an, an owner who believes in the investment into journalism, and we have a, a subject that we are experts in, which is China, that is of increasing importance, and there's an increasing and growing appetite all over the world. So the opportunity to actually build a new global digital media company out of or from an established news brand, that's something that's very, very hard to find. And I honestly believe it's the only one so in the world. So if the old owners like were still in control, you wouldn't have done this? I think that the company would be very, very different. I think that the, the goals of the company would have been different. The willingness to invest and grow the newsroom and actually develop new technology would be very, very different. And I don't think that I would have been the right candidate to lead that form of the company. Uh, but this this is an opportunity practically I really couldn't say no to. And the the personal side is having grown up in the West, a combination of New Zealand and the United States, it, it became, it's, you know, throughout my life, it was very apparent to me how wide and, and the, the, the gap of knowledge was, or the gap of understanding was between East and West. And it was, the gap to my, in my experience, was increasing and not actually decreasing. Uh, and so I. The I, National Committee shares that view. There's certainly an increasing gap of knowledge of what's going on in Asia and the United States. Which is unfortunate. Vice versa, also. Vice versa, absolutely. Which is unfortunate and I believe actually why dangerous. Is that ha- why is that happening? That's a you, very you'd good question. think with yeah. all these platforms that yeah. you've worked on, in your pre, in fact, in your previous job, shouldn't the gap be decreasing well, given the online platforms that exist, the ability? You know, the old days, yeah. when I lived in Hong Kong, I got the SCMP every day delivered to my door. When I came back to the United States, I couldn't access that information, but now I can. So shouldn't that be decreasing the gap? We're seeing the exact same thing here in the United States between those who are liberals and those who are conservatives. It's the same thing. That increasing gap is because these platforms that have sensibly democratized knowledge and make everything easy to access have actually created these silos of information where we're just hearing only things that we already agree with, we already know, or we we already believe. And so if we're seeing it at the scale of the United States with 330 million people um, and with a two-party system, or primarily a two-party system, and we're seeing that they, the, you know, the, 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 uh, the fragmentation and the polarization of politics here, imagine what it's doing for global understanding, for completely different ideologies and completely different systems. I do think that those platforms have made it 
even though there's a lot more content and a lot more information, they've made it harder for people who are looking for new things to access it. Hmm. You called it the toughest job. I think you called it in one of your first interviews, the toughest media job in the world? Well, uh, l let me be clear. I believe that the editor-in-chief of the South China Morning Post, right. Tammy Tam, has the toughest job in the media world. Why? Well, there, there's so many different layers to the, the job itself. Uh, first of all, we continue to be the, the paper of record for Hong Kong, and there is that accountability. But over 80% of our user base is now outside of that home marketplace. So we are actually a global media company, and everyone else, the 80% that are reading our content from all over the world are primarily interested in Beijing and what China is doing on the global stage. Mm -hmm. Now those two things, covering Hong Kong and covering China's rise and impact on the world, are certainly not exclusive of one another, but we have to figure out how to balance still limited resources on being responsible for, for, for doing both of those two things at the same time. That 80%, what does that translate into in absolute numbers? We're not public with absolute numbers oh, yet. Not I will say this, okay. though. In the last 15 months, we have more than tripled our, our overall traffic, and our audience, global audience has gone from a little under 60% to now a little over 80%. So it really is the world's attention. And I assume it also means growing. you don't, you don't attribute rev you know how much of that 80 percent generates what percent of your revenue also you don't talk well about. you know what i'll be very honest with you um of our overall news revenue still uh, we have about 80 percent of it coming from print and only about 20 percent of it coming from digital so, and digital print needs is to, virtually all hong kong it's virtually all hong kong do you and have so, printing outside of Hong Kong? We don't. Like the and New we don't York Times to. does or something like that? No, no. we don't. Do no. you ever expect to print in the United States? We don't expect to do that either. Just not the way that information is consumed at this point, uh, at least not primarily. And so our focus on global growth is through, through digital channels. Mm -hmm. Now, your owner, Alibaba, obviously mm -hmm. has an enormous business interest in China. I mean, it's... Tens of hundreds of billions of dollars, it's fair to say. How does that affect your coverage? It hasn't, and we don't expect that it will. The owners, when they acquired the news organization, were very, very clear that they believed in and were going to protect editorial independence. And all of their actions since their ownership started two years ago have backed that up. And everything I've seen in the 16 months I've been in the job has been ownership that cares deeply about, uh, about our growth, about making sure that we have the right product, uh, but not coming into the newsroom and not affecting editorial stance or editorial positioning at all. Though when, when, um, when Alibaba bought it, I believe before you first came on, uh, you know, Joe Tsai said that you know, this was really about having fair coverage of China, that he was implicitly critical of Western media coverage of China. That hasn't affected the way you think about the coverage of China? Well, I think that the news organization, long before Alibaba came onto the scene, has always been a voice about Asia from Asia. So that certainly hasn't changed, regardless of ownership. And over time, of course, that voice has evolved with the evolving demographics in Hong Kong, with the evolving governance in the region. Uh, but we are still 
That's exactly what we are and what we've always been. It's just that the South China Morning Post has not ever really been a global media organization until the internet has allowed us to be. And so I think you know, Joe's criticism is, is his own. Um, and the way that we as a news organization would actually describe our position in the world is probably a little bit different than the way that the owners did at the point of acquisition. We believe that China is too big and too complex to be covered by a dichotomy of voices, which is what we think has largely existed in the past. We have news coming out of China, which we refer to as propaganda, and then news coming from global media companies, which because in a lot of ways of economics can only cover a slice of what's going on in the country. And there's a lot of space in between those two voices. And we hope that South China Morning Post, we're not gonna fill all that space, but we will be able to add to the texture and add to the nuance of reporting and at the very least be able to provide some filling uh, in between the those Chinese two voices. The Chinese propaganda authorities say publicly say to me innumerable times that Western media coverage of China is unfair and biased. Do you agree with that criticism? We would not call it unfair and biased. We would say that it is a perspective. And, uh, and there are multiple women. I mean, we believe in a plurality of perspectives ourselves. Uh, and it's, it's just, it's too complicated for a single news organization to cover. Most of these global media companies on a very, very good day will have five or six people in China. And on a very good day, they'll publish four or five articles about China. South China Morning Post, we have anywhere between 30 to 40 people on any given day in mainland China. And another 300 people in the newsroom in Hong Kong. Uh, and we will publish about 100 articles about China on a daily basis. So the comprehensiveness of our coverage allows for that nuance and allows for that texture and that plurality of, of views to actually exist. Are you blocked in China? We are 100% blocked in China. So the whole website is there. The whole website. And we don't distribute paper copies in China, except in very specific international hotels. And I honestly don't even know how long that lasts. Yeah. Uh, I Actually, this most recent I just came back from China last night. And this most recent trip, the, the SCMP is generally delivered to me um, at wow. the hotel okay. every night. Wow. But it wasn't this trip. Okay. I don't know if that was because I stayed at a different hotel, but it's kind of, you know, you fill out these preference cards yes. for hotels yeah. and, um, and they do it. The Western media thinks there's more self-censorship uh, of publications in Hong Kong today. What do you think of that criticism? In our newsroom, there is no self-censorship. I don't know, I can't speak for Hong Kong's entire media marketplace. It is, uh, it is I believe, still extremely vibrant. It's a city of seven and a half million people with effectively 20 different news organizations that matter. It's, it's actually extremely encouraging to see the, the livelihood and the vibrancy and the discussions and the arguments that happen in the media space in Hong Kong. But I can't really speak for the entire industry. I'm too new to it. But I can tell you at the South China Morning Post, there isn't self-censorship. Five years from now, where do you want the SCMP to be? If you can give us a vision of mm -hmm. where do you think it should be? Well, the easy way to answer this is by repeating or telling uh, the audience our mission statement, which is to, to lead the global conversation about China. And so our hope is that in five years, China is uh, more comprehensively understood around the world, that there is a, a there are increasingly, there, there are many platforms, including the South China Morning Post, that allow for intelligent discourse, that allow for the elevation of thought, uh, and that China's leadership position in the world 
as it's becoming solidified, will be one that is benefiting the world um, because we're able to understand each other better. Mm-hmm. We've heard today from Gary Liu, who is the CEO of the SCMP, the South China Morning Post. And I think this has whet the appetite of the listeners to go online and look at what the SCMP is doing because its coverage of China is exactly as you've stated, that it is nuanced, it is multifaceted, and the number of reporters who are really good that you have throughout China really gives the reader a different perspective, one which often, as you point, the three or four reporters can't do what 30 or 40 can, and you get reporting out of the SCMP that simply doesn't exist. Um, I think about a recent speech I gave in China um, where I was critical of the Chinese government for blocking Facebook, Google, Twitter, Snapchat, uh, YouTube. Um, And I said that it's important that those restrictions get lifted in order for China to be the responsible stakeholder, stakeholder that I think it should be in the global system. None of the Chinese media covered that. The South China Morning Post front-paged it and was direct in it. And I think it's important that the listeners understand that is the kind of coverage that we get out of the SCMP. But thank you so much for, for moving back to Asia and taking this responsibility on. It's quite a, quite a task. Well, thank you so much for having me, Steve.